0: We're back with another episode of The Stacks, and I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. Our guest today is Nicole Thurman, who is an actor and comedian best known for her work on The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. If you love The Stacks and want to stay connected, make sure you're following us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks underscore on Twitter. You can find links to all of our accounts in the show notes, along with links to everything we talk about today. If you're planning on shopping on Amazon, click the links in our show notes before you shop and the Stacks will earn a small commission and you'll get to know that your purchase helped an independent podcast. I want to say thank you to all of you for listening to the podcast. I also want to say a special thank you to the Stacks Pack, aka our patrons. These people put their money where their mouth is and contribute monthly to making the show a reality they also earn perks and inside access for their generosity. So if you're interested in joining our virtual book club, among many other things, plus knowing that you're helping this show to exist in the world, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. And I just wanted to give a special shout out to our newest member of the stacks pack, Lee Walters. If a monthly contribution isn't your thing, consider one-time contributions by going to paypal.me slash the stacks pod. I know I ask you all this every week and it's only because it's super important, but if you haven't yet, please take a moment to rate and review the show. I cannot tell you how much it helps. Our most recent review comes from Lizzie Lou, 1983 and they say, I learned about the stacks when Tawny of Yo, Is This Racist was on, and I am hooked. I love the format of getting to know the reviewer first before diving into the book, so you can assess how their feelings on the book may differ from your own. My TBR pile is growing exponentially, and I love your focus on women authors, especially women of color. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for listening to the show and for writing that review. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Write your review. All right, let's go. It's time to meet actress and comedian, Nicole Thurman. All right, y'all. I am here today with Nicole Thurman, who is an actress and comedian. Nicole is known for being a citizen journalist on The Opposition with Jordan Clepper, and she's on the brand new Hulu show, Shrill, that just came out earlier this week. Nicole? Welcome to the Sax. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. So, basically, that's like your little bio, like mm-hmm. resume. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from? what you also like to do with your time that's
1: not worth, like anything. Okay. Um, First of all, I'm only on one episode of Shrill. So episode two, catch me in that one. Okay. (laughs) Very (laughs) important. That's clear. Um, But yeah, I'm originally from Kansas City. I just grew up there and lived there for my life until I was out of school. And then I moved to Chicago, started doing theater, started doing comedy there. Uh, Then I was like, I want to move on and do bigger things because I was working at the Second City as a performer. And I was like, I'm ready to like... I don't know, branch out and do different things. So I moved out here uh, in 2015. And then uh, 2017, I got the show that on Comedy Central, The Opposition. And so then I moved to New York last year, did the show for a uh, year. Yeah. Like okay. was gone for a year working on that. It was very intense. And then the show got canceled, which was a little bit of a bummer. So then um, I just moved back here like a few months ago. So I'm kind of excited to be in L.A. And as far as like what I like to do outside of acting, it's probably a lot of things at this point (laughs) because acting is stressful. No, it's not. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But uh, no, lately I've been like – I've been like working out. It's kind of lame but it's like I quit drinking like 10 months ago now. Okay, I just hit 10 months and so I was like I'm just going to like keep not drinking and just get like – fit and just like live my life and see what that's like because I, I definitely
0: don't think that that's lame as someone who is a fitness professional <laughs> exactly. I think that's awesome and thank you for keeping
1: my industry alive yes and thank you for <laughs> keeping me alive I guess They're, like looking good um, what yeah, kind so, of workouts are you into well I used to be like crazy into spin okay. and then lately I've been kind of like my new obsession is hit classes you ever okay. take hit high classes interv- high intensity interval training yeah. yeah I love those I just like love because it's like I get really bored Like I never – I rarely will go to a gym and just like, you know, run on a treadmill or Mm -hmm. like lift or whatever. So I'll go to a hit class and so I go there and it's just fun and the people there are really nice and like we're like lifting weights and lifting kettlebells and then like, you know, going to BOSU ball and jumping around on that. And like honestly, that's like become a really fun thing for me to do in my spare time. I feel like it's like in L.A. when you're living here, you have to find ways to like – if time. you're an actor, because yeah. it's like, if you just sit at home and you're like looking at your email all day and stressing about like, why am I not getting 4 million auditions? <laughs> then you're going to be like, really stressed out. so yeah, I love doing that. I like hiking. I like just being outside. I love seeing music. Like going to like see live music. I play music too. I play guitar and violin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. and violin, and violin. Whoa, like not super well, but like I play. Yeah. No, Do you I, yeah. play violin
0: still? Yeah, because I feel like violin's like one of those things that you play as a kid. Yeah, and then you become an adult and you're like,
1: I have a violin, but I haven't opened it in three years. Yeah, I feel like that is what a lot of people will say when you say like you play the violin, and it's funny because I actually have like this crusty violin that I've had <laughs> since fourth grade, and so I still like play this crusty old violin. But yeah, I will play. It every now and then, like I live in a building with very thin walls, so I try to be polite to my neighbors. Um, but I will definitely, like, now I think also I used to play like more, like, I used to try you know classical and like heart more intense songs but now i'll just play like pop songs like if i like really like a song and it has like strings in the background i'll just like learn the strings and sing along and (laughs) i don't know it's like really it's just a fun it's such such a nice little habit to have (laughs) what's a pop song that you're into playing i really love saint vincent this is a very i mean this is not poppy at all well she's kind of like she's like indie rock she's the gal who was with um dua lipa at the grammys yeah okay also, whenever I see the name Dua Lipa, I just think two lips and I don't understand the. Name. I don't. I, is that a real? Is that a real I, name, or is it like a idea. stage name? I know nothing. I'm okay, always like, what is this name? What does it mean? What is it? I don't know. And I a the song with music. Miguel, and that's all I know. Yeah, I need to like. When I watched the Grammys, I was like, "Where am I? <laughs> like, I must be old all of a sudden." So I'm was, like, who are these? That people? performance was so weird. Also, I was like, yeah. "Is that? Are they a Kardashian? Is that a like? Is there a Kardashian performing?" Yeah, ter- I, I didn't know that. That's what they both looked like. I didn't see. The performance, but I just saw like GIFs or GIFs, however you say it. On, I, I'm from team the GIF. You are me too. Okay, okay good, good. good. <laughs> so I saw GIFs of the performance. Like St. Saint Vincent, Saint Vincent posted a couple on Instagram and I was like, what is happening? What is this? Did they make out? Like, are we, like, I don't know what's happening. They did look like they were very close. It was they very, looked Very yeah. similar. Very similar. Um, but anyway, I play so <laughs> long story short, I'll play like St. Vincent's song. She has this beautiful song called Slow Disco. I don't even know who she is besides so that she good. was with Lipa. so I'm gonna have to look into that. She's really good. She's like a guitar genius. Like she's okay. like a pro- like, I don't think she's like a prodigy prodigy, but she's just like really, really good at guitar. Does she sing? Gonna, um she does, yeah. Okay. She sings and plays guitar at the same time. And she's just like fantastic. Like she's just, I don't know, she's kind of like artsy and she like. Her new album had like all these like like women like in the walls, like coming out with just their legs coming out okay. and dancing and stuff. And I was just like, she's just like so like, you feel like, yes, this like, woman is killing it. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love so that. So I really love her. So I'll play a lot of her music. But yeah, that's like, yeah, that's what I it's like. It's so to cool do. that you
0: play the violin. Yeah. I feel like that's like there's not a lot of adults I know. who aren't musicians by trade that are like still playing the violin,
1: I feel. It is like that. I I feel like because I feel like a lot of um playing music for people from what I've just heard and what people say, it seems to be, it's just like something to do when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, that's what soccer was. And like, I was like good at soccer, but then I was like, I don't care about soccer. I'm not playing soccer anymore. So I stopped playing soccer. And then, but the violin I wanted to play since I was like, tiny like I always wanted to play the oh violin gosh. I actually loved it I don't know why but it was like a stringed instrument and just like listening to orchestras and all of that classical music I just loved and so I started in fourth grade but I've always I mean it's not something that I ever dropped it was something that I always kept with plus it's just like you know you can just sit at home and like play songs and sing and like it's that that kind of like getting you have to find ways to get your creativity out I feel right. like also like because I used to do a lot more shows like a lot more theater and mm-hmm. you have that immediate gratification of the audience being there and you're right. like on stage you're like this is you know what I need This right needs me. right but then uh <laughs> you, I don't know just finding ways to get your creativity out when you're in a place like LA where it might be like months between jobs right totally you know so it's like I like to get my physical energy out now with my working out and then I like to get my creative energy out with like playing music or like making a dopey video on Instagram or something.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's how this podcast kind of came to be is that I was a performer and then I moved to LA and I wasn't performing anymore. And I, you know, I teach spin and then I was like having really bad anxiety. Mm. Like I was feeling like, I don't know. Like I'm worried about everything. Like I'm worried about crossing the street. I'm worried about driving to the Grove. Like, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to die or like, I don't know, like weird anxiety. And I talked to a friend of mine who's actually like not professionally, but she's a therapist and she deals with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I was like telling her, I was like, I'm so anxious. Like, I don't know. She was like, well, are you like a creative person? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, why Like, are you doing anything creative? I was like, not really. Mm -hmm. And then I like started Kind of thinking about other things and then books and whatever it all came together. But ever since I started doing the podcast, I haven't had that same kind of anxiety. Yeah. I still am an anxious flyer. I'm still anxious, like, cause that's who I am. Right. But like that like weird anxiety of like, oh my God, I'm gonna burn the house down with dinner. Like, right, right. right. And I'm like, I'm in the kitchen. Like, it's not like I'm leaving. You know, like it was yeah. like weird stuff. But part of this podcast was like therapy for me to be like, I need to be getting my thoughts out like yeah. in the
1: world because I'm yeah. not acting or dancing
0: anymore. So totally. I totally I feel that.
1: Yeah, it's so important because I do think it's just like your brain can just keep going and co- going and going and going. I'm the same way where I'm like such a worrier. Yeah. And then also if you're trying to pursue your art and it's not going exactly how you want in the moment, it's like you want to um, find a way to distract yourself from freaking out about that. Yeah. Because like if I'm freaking out about my job, which I absolutely can cannot control because it's such a strange job. Right. Then I'm going to make it worse. Like I'm going to go to an audition and I'm going to be like a desperate little fool being right. like please give me this job. Right. I need this job. And so it's just like the best way to like get rid of that is to just like just like get it out with something else. Like things that are just for you or like things that excite you. Yeah. Um how did you get into acting and comedy? Um let me think about that. So it was so, it's always so weird because it's like I was like super shy when I was younger hmm. and so I still don't know what made me do it but my freshman year of call co- or high school my freshman year of high school i signed up for a drama class okay. and it's so strange because it's like i was shy but right. i wanted to do that for some reason <laughs> like that's like a very odd thing to me i still can't remember exactly why i did it but anyway so i started taking like drama classes and we kind of you know it was, like, a good theater high school. Okay. We had we learned about, like, stagecraft, and we learned about, you know, acting. And then we had, like, our senior year, we were in, like, a little comedy troupe where okay. we, like, wore, like, jumpsuits. And oh, my God. I don't even, like, oh, just did comedy. <laughs> like, what? It was probably awful. But it was so fun. And you had to audition to get in. And so I was like, I'm in ART, which was Advanced Repertory Theater, and Ooh. I felt very cool about it. Um So, anyway, I – I remember when I was like graduating high school, I realized like, I really love this. Like Uh I have loved being in these shows. I've loved doing this. This is my thing. And then I remember crying to my drama teacher, very dramatic. I was like crying to her because I was like, I want to do this for a living, but I don't think I can major in theater in school. Like that's crazy. Who does that? Like that's nuts. And so she was just like, you have to do what you want to do. And like, you have to pursue, you can't if you can't think of anything else you want to do, you got to just you do, gotta it. do it. You got to do it. Is that what you majored in theater? And so I majored in theater in college. Where did you go to school? University of Kansas. Nothing fancy. Okay. But it was fun. And I studied theater and did like movement classes and I, you know like, dialect classes and all that stuff. And then I, when I graduated, well, I had done an internship in Chicago at okay. Steppenwolf Theater. Mm. Um, and so when I graduated from uh, college, I moved to Chicago. And I was like, I love this theater community it just seems like really I don't know like it's like it's a good community yeah which you don't really see I think in New York or LA you don't see that community it's different it's not it's bigger the theater is bigger in New York so it's because
0: it's bigger there's more like factions or like it's more divided you could be working in the theater for 20 years and never meet someone whereas in Chicago I think because it's smaller yeah those working actors know each other and work together and think of each other and I think it's kind of like
1: more communal yeah and you kind of like come up together yeah in a way like a lot of people will start doing like storefront theater which is also a very Chicago thing I think Mm -hmm. like you're doing theater for free in like a storefront literally right and then like you know, you move up and you're doing like more regional theater, getting paid for it. So it's like we all kind of like grow up together. So that's how I started there. And I was like I had always wanted to do like dramatic I don't know, just like serious stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I also had like had applied to intern at the second city. Okay. And I was like, uh, I didn't end up working there because I didn't end up interning there because I wanted to go with Steppenwolf because it was more serious. Mm. And so then this woman at second city who runs their outreach and diversity program, her name's Diana. She was like, listen, I, I know that like you didn't intern here, but if you ever want to take a class here, like feel free, I'll give you a free class. If you work for two hours for me a week or something. And I was right. like, Okay. And so then she's like after I took the class, I was like that was cool. And then she was like, "Listen, I know comedy is like not your thing, but if you ever want to maybe audition for us, just like give me your headshot and resume." So I was like, "I'll audition for anyone." Right. So I gave her my I'm an actor. I'm available. I, and I'm thirsty. Like, <laughs> please don't discount the fact that I will yeah, do anything for I'll money. I'll do it, sure. Um, so I gave her my headshot and resume and then I auditioned for something and I got it. And I was like, Wait, you know, like maybe this is a vibe that's like good for me, like comedy. Like, I didn't, cause I had never considered comedy. I was literally like, I wanna be doing like, you know, the crucible or some like right. dramatic play. Right. So, anyway, I started doing shows with them and it just became like so my thing. And it was perfect because it's the type of place where you can. You can do sketch comedy, so it's like acting. You can improvise, which I had to learn. Which is so hard. Oh, my God. thank you. I had no – I really had no training when I started at the Second City. And luckily there are a lot of very, very good improvisers Mm -hmm. there, and they're very good at lifting people up and making them look good. And then I'm I'm a – I can learn on my feet pretty well. I can kind of learn almost by imitation. So then I kind of learned on the fly how to improvise. But – You also can like sing because there's always music in it, and I'm a singer. And then I would like, I played instruments in a couple shows. It's kind of one of those things where you can like do do whatever you want. Like you can make your own track, kind of. Yeah. And so I saw something there once. I saw
0: between Barack and A Hard Place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in 2008. I I think that was like
1: right before I got there. Like, yeah, because I started working with them in like 2011. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, they're great. I mean, it's just. It was a great opportunity. It was, it it changes, it changed my life Mm -hmm. too, because I feel like Second City has such a reputation. Yeah. That when you're doing the shows there, managers, you know, SNL, you know, MTV, all these people are coming to the show and they're watching you perform. And so it's a different level of performing, honestly, a level that uh, it makes it more like you can, like, you can, like, Fight in the business. Oh, yeah, it's a biz- it makes you right. more like okay. Now I have a manager. Now I right. have an it gives agent. you like street cred too. Yeah. It's like oh, you can you can improvise. Like
0: you're funny. Yeah. You can handle it live. Like yeah, because comedy live is not like straight theater or live in the sense that like if jokes don't land or like things don't work. you feel really naked. It's immediate. Yeah. Like, whereas like in serious theater, it's like pretty quiet the whole time. Like, so like maybe you didn't make someone cry. Like maybe you're having an off day, but you don't get that immediate feedback. Absolutely. Like you do, especially at a place like the second city where it's like kind of raucous in there. And like people people, are drinking and people want to be laughing. Yeah. So like, it's not like going to see a comedy play. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's like a different vibe. There's an expectation from the audience that you all are going to deliver. So I feel like that makes you kind of like tough as a performer. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, it's, It's loose. People are freaking drunk. You know what I mean? So you're like getting people that are sometimes heckling because they want to challenge you to see like how quick on your feet you are. Or like they want to challenge you because they're like, she said something vulgar. I can say something vulgar too. But it's like they're not funny. (laughs) Like So they shouldn't say it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was like it is it's a. It's definitely, like, a big challenge. And I remember when I first started, like, if the audience wasn't, like, super into it, I'd be like, why are, Why is everybody in- so upset with the audience? Like, who cares if they laugh or they don't? And now I'm like, well, because y- you know you're doing the job when they're, like, when they're ah! laughing and clapping yeah. and laughing. And you know you're not doing the job when they're just sitting there, like, what is this girl doing? Right. How yeah. did you get to the opposition? So that was, like, yeah. So that was, like – I feel like that, that comedy track, I got a manager, I got an agent. And then I, so I came here to do a showcase, CBS showcase, like silly thing. And then I was living in LA and I met, <clears throat> excuse me, my agent at the showcase. Um, he's still my agent today and I like him very much. Um, he's a very nice person. Um, and so he, uh, so I was just auditioning, just like regular auditioning in, um, in LA. And then it was like this self tape that came through and it was this, it's kind of a funny story really because it was like i was so over
0: it i was just like wait for people who don't know a self tape is when you film yourself for an audition and send it in so you don't actually go into the room with like a casting director you just basically make a youtube video of yourself and like post it online for them and like or you email it to them right so you're not like you don't have any feedback right away
1: no and like truly like because you start to get cynical and like tired you're like nobody's watching this like i don't even know why i'm making this tape and like you get really frustrated and so i was feeling i was at a point where i because i had auditioned like in the past for the daily show which is the same concept like you have to write something and it's a lot of work those shows to audition for those shows it's a lot of work you have to write a piece perform that piece and then also do a piece that they wrote which is very chunky very like you know pull it a lot of political dialogue and just like not easy and so I was like, oh God another one of these like political satire shows like do I have to you know it's so much work and like I just like I you know I'm like I did like three or four auditions for the daily show what's what's gonna be different about this and when you send a self tape in you never know if people are watching it or if they're just like oh, we're throwing this in the trash because right. she was awful right. you know you never know so I uh I'm, i d- I end up doing it because I'm pretty sure I was convinced because one of my friends got a job writing on the show. Mm. And so I think it made me like, oh, you know, you know I'm going to know somebody that's working on it. It'd be kind of cool to work with her, like right. that's my close right. friend. Sure, And so um, I made a tape. I like wrote, you know, wrote out a piece and taped it. And it was like very quick that they responded. They they responded very quickly. Like it was maybe like two days later, my agent called me and he was like, what are you doing next week? And I was like, I don't know. What do you you mean? (laughs) And he's like, you're going to New York because you're going to test for the show. And so testing for the show is like the next level of audition where you go in front of producers and yeah. And they just like, they're looking at you like, are we going to hire this person? And usually there's like probably a handful of people that are there with you that are also testing. And so it's like nerve wracking and Exciting, very mm-hmm. exciting. I mean, fla- getting flown anywhere for free is right. totally my thing. Amazing. <laughs> I'm always like, you mean I get a I get a free flight on a plane going to New York City? <laughs> yeah, I'm take it. I'm gonna take it. So I'm um, available. I I am always a. Av- the thing about me is I am very available. <laughs> um. So so anyway, so they flew me out. I tested, and then it was like freaking like Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend or something that made the days extra. And so like I was just like. Um, it was weird because it's like, after I auditioned for it, I knew I got it. Like I knew, right. You just felt, yeah, good. I was like, this is my job. I just feel like this is my job. I had a really good rapport with the host and like people were laughing and I just felt really confident, which normally you can normally tell when you get something when you don't, Mm -hmm. but I'd never gotten a job that big. So, I mean, for me to be like, I got this was kind of crazy, um, but it was just like I felt it. So I went home back to, came back to LA. And then my agent called me and he was like, um, Jordan, the host of the show and the producers are gonna call you later today. They just wanna talk about like, you know, more about the show and like what they're looking for and da-da-da-da. And I was like, wait, does that mean I'm getting the job? And he's like I don't know. I think so. He's like so casual. And I was like, okay, cool. So they called me and they immediately told me that I got the job and it was insane. And I told them I loved them. I was like, I don't even know you, but I love you. And they're like, we love you. And it was really, it was really great. And 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 did you
0: enjoy working on the show? Were you writing your own stuff as Well, is that how it works?
1: Yeah, um, so every day we had like meetings where we go and like watch, like, because we were pretending to be conservatives on the right, show, right? So we had to watch like Fox News and uh Alex Jones and mm. just like the grossest people, like, he's that's... the actual grossest, he's horrible. And you know, he has his uh, now his son does stuff on Infowars. Oh, it's just awful because he's saying all these like hateful things. He's like 15 and he's Ugh. a child, and so it's just like, what are we doing? You're like, what are you doing to this? That what are we doing here yeah so we'd watch all that in the day and like during the daytime and then we'd just pitch ideas like and I I pitched a lot because you know to be honest it's like as a woman of color in comedy you got to get just you got to get your stuff on the stage you right. got to get your stuff on the tv right. and the way to, the best way to do that is to create your own lane and to tell people this is what I would like to talk about right. and um I did a lot of pitching. So I pitched a lot every day. I would just sit in my office and pitch. And, you know, there was a lot of days we wouldn't be on the show. And then you'd be on the show maybe once a week. And you'd also get to go fly places and do um, field pieces, which was really cool. Yeah.
0: And did you feel like – like what kind of stuff were you reading or watching besides – conservative stuff to like kind of help you come up with ideas well like like besides watching what the conservative side was saying I'm assuming you must have also been like intaking news from other angles like to kind of get a better sense of the bigger picture
1: yeah and I think well yeah I think so (laughs) well like I think especially for field pieces because you want to find something that's like a little bit off the beaten path Mm -hmm. and a little bit like Just something that's happening. It doesn't – because it doesn't have to be a conservative event that we go to. Right. It could be anything and then we just bring the satirical like angle to it. Right, right. And so, you know, I would look a lot – especially because also sometimes you just want to see a regular news story. You don't want to like read these horrible like – Fox News angles on things so it's like you just want to see regular things so we would actually go through a lot of like local papers and like I would even go through like the Atlantic Huffington Post some things that were like a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. but like yeah you'd go to like like I would randomly like Google like you know Phoenix newspaper or something like that so then it's like you're reading like what's going on in that area right and then you're finding little events like we, well, Alex Jones kind of got us on this track, but one of my favorite field pieces that I got to do was talking to drag queens who did this thing called drag queen story hour. Okay. I didn't even mean to make it book themed, but that was <laughs> there my you favorite go. one. There you go. Um, so they, It's about these, it's like drag queens. It's a thing that happens all over the country where drag queens are reading books to kids mm. and to teach them about like inclusivity and just like being open to other people and loving everyone. And it's just like a beautiful thing. Right. But of course, you know, Alex Jones calling them demons and like he's saying that obviously like they're infecting these children and da, 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 da. Right. Um, Just like nice stuff. Yeah. Just like nice stuff is he's finding a way to like hate on it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like what to live in that body, my God! It's just probably like cholesterol and stress
0: <laughs> He's and truly just heartburn. horrible. Do, when you go and do the field pieces, I've always wondered this. I don't know if this is you can even answer this. I don't know if it's a secret, but because you're playing like conservative mm-hmm. character characters caricatures, when you're interviewing like the drag queens or whoever it is. Do you have a thing before where you're like, hi, I'm Nicole. I'm a normal human. I'm going to be interviewing you like this. Mm. Or do you just go in in character and like interview and talk to them?
1: Yeah, I would go. I would have to introduce myself because I I don't know. I mean, I feel like we kind of are very similar about being worriers, being anxious. Yeah. I would like be so nervous because truly, I mean, even in the audition, like field pieces were not even in my mind as something I would have to do. So when I found out I had to do them, I was like, oh, my God. So yeah, I'd have to be like, hey, like, I just want you to know, like, I'm going to be saying some crazy stuff. And like, I don't mean any of it. Like, this is just a character. And like, but that doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, it still would be really hard because people would still get upset. People would still like, look at me like they didn't like me when the interview was over. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I swear I love what you're doing and that's why we're featuring it. It's not like my character is a character, but they would, you know, it was hard. Like we, we went to um, Mississippi and talked to, a woman who was running the last abortion clinic in Mississippi. There's only one Mm -hmm. because of all the laws and just psycho people. So anyway, we were talking to her and I was a – me and um, Laura, who was the other female correspondent on the show, we were doing it together and we're like interviewing her and it was the two of us, like two on one, like two conservative Mm. idiot characters versus one very lovely woman who's just trying to keep it together, you know. And she started crying and I felt awful because I was like we're – this is not serious, but it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. because right,
0: she probably hears all that stuff for real all the time. Yeah. And so that's got to be really hard yeah. on her.
1: So I think it was tough. It was a – It was that was a very tough thing to do. And I tried to just be as kind to them as possible when I could and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, reiterate over and over again, like, this is not me. This is I'm not acting. me. I promise I'm a nice person. Like, I promise I love what you're doing. So, yeah. That's hard. It was hard.
0: pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have I'm going to shift gears a little bit yeah. to reading mm-hmm. since allegedly this is a podcast about books, which oh. I basically say every week <laughs> I get off these on these like tangents and I'm like, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about books, people just relax. <laughs> How does reading fit into your life as an actor performer?
1: Well, I think it's obviously super important. I, I feel like I've gotten, you know, more on the like script reading track, but it's one of those things too, like you don't a lot of times we have these auditions where we only get like four pages or something Mm -hmm. and we don't realize Mm -hmm. that like, we don't know the context of what's going on. So I think it's really important to like read the whole script. I used to not do that. And now I try to almost every audition I have, because it's like, I want to see what's going on. I want to see who these people are. And the only way to do that is to see the whole thing. And I feel like because of traveling more last year, actually comedy central got me a Kindle and that's why I have a Kindle and, um, it was very nice of them. And, um, just getting that Kindle and, like, the travel aspect of that job, it was a way to kind of, like, decompress mm-hmm. and also a way to, like, I don't know, just, like, get – I felt like I had not been a good reader for a long time and so I think, like, getting back into reading more, it felt really good and it felt like a good way to, like, decompress when I was traveling. So And so do you mostly read on your Kindle? Yeah. I feel like – yeah, I definitely do. I feel like there's something about the Kindle that, like – I don't know. I I don't know if I'm like. I feel like the internet has definitely made me stupid more stupid. Sure. I feel like it's made everybody more stupid. Yeah. But it's like, um, there's something about it's like which is like easier. I feel like I just like go through a book and you know if I read like a, just a like quick easy book, then I'm just like immediately like okay Amazon, what do you got for the next book? And then you just pick the next book, and it's kind of just like an easy way for me to read, right? It's kind of like – a. honestly, it sounds so silly, but it's like it's light in your hands so you don't get like that tired. You're just like looking at this and it's kind of like lit up and so it keeps you like staring at it just like a phone would. Right. Which is silly, but it's like I get why it, it works. I you. totally get why it yeah. works. So yeah, I do mostly read on Kindle. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive in. What are two books you love and one book you hate? Okay. Uh, This book called She's Come Undone by Wally Lamb. Mm -hmm. Did you read that book? I know the book. I've never read it. I I know it. My mom loved it. Oh, it's so good. I read it so long ago that I feel silly even bringing it up. But I – and I feel funny. It's funny too because I feel like with books, I typically remember the like the feeling. Totally. It's like visceral like Mm -hmm. I remember reading this book and it was just so epic. It like takes you through this journey of this like – young girl's life into adulthood and she has all these issues and, like, she's kind of trying to deal with that. I just loved it. I just remember it being, like, It was really thick. It was really good. It was back when I was reading like hard, you know, solid books. Um, Yeah, I loved it. That's so interesting that you say
0: that because I have had this. I've always felt that way that I might read a book and love it and then not really remember anything that happens in the book, but like know that I loved the book for whatever reason, like that it resonated with me. Like I think of the Kite Runner. I don't know if you ever read that book. I loved the Kite Runner. I cannot tell you. Anything that happens in The Kite Runner, I actually don't even know what – I know that there were, like, kites in it. Yeah. But, like, I don't remember that. But I know that I loved the book and I know that when I read it, it meant something to me. Yeah. And that's, like – I feel like that a lot with books. Like, I read a lot and so I forget things, but I I remember what the book felt like. Yeah. Or that it made me feel something, even if I forget all the plot points, couldn't tell you a character, couldn't tell you a setting, a year, anything. Yeah. And I and then I get annoyed when people are like, oh, my God, I read that book 10 years ago. What about the scene? And I'm like,
1: oh, how do you remember that? I don't understand. Do Same with remember? movies. I don't understand how people do that. I don't that. remember a single movie. And yeah, people talk to me about books and I'm just like, oh, I yeah, I mean, like, I definitely did read it. I read However, it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I have no clue what scene that is. Yeah, like when I was actually thinking about like what are my two favorite books, I was like, dang, I should read She's Come Undone again because mm-hmm. I remember, I, like I said, remember that feeling. So, yeah, it's totally like, yeah, I couldn't. I had I had to look at the characters and I was like, oh yeah, that's what happened. This woman named Dolores and she gains a lot of weight and that's like part of the plot point. Yeah, it's but it's it was so good. And it's also so cool because a lot of times when I read a book where it's like a man wrote a woman's from a woman's perspective, I'm like, ugh, give me a freaking break. And you can sometimes like catch it, but this book, oh man, this guy, like he really. He really captured the feeling of like being like a young girl and growing Ooh. up and those experiences and what life can feel like as a girl in the world. It was – I remember it just being like really powerful and beautiful. Amazing. What's your yeah. other one? My other one is Middle sex. Oh. I Jeffrey. hated that you didn't I, use. I don't have to say that. You did? I did not. I was like nothing's happening. Ah! Do you think it's – wait. That's what I was going to say. Do you think it's because – because I, I – this is another one where I'm like I don't know what happened but I remember being – Because it kind of meanders and it goes all over the place, right? I don't know. I don't really remember it. I just know I didn't like it. Yeah, I remember liking it because I I felt like it was like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, I keep going away from the mic, but it was like, what the hell is happening? We're over here talking about Greece in like 425 BC. Uh-huh. I don't know why. What? And now we're over here talking about this guy in the 70s. I mean, that's literally like, if that happened, then I'm just lucky that I said that, but I don't know if that actually happened. But <laughs> That's what it felt like, though. It was talking about like everything Yeah. and, and all these like family ties and jeans yeah. and, but I don't know. I loved that because then it all came together to like fit into this one character i remember really loving it and, you're
0: not alone i think i'm the yeah. first i'm the out, i'm the outlier most but I people get, like love it and i was
1: like this like, what nothing's
0: happened. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> what about a book you hate <laughs> okay this is not a book i read but the book i hate because people keep suggesting for me to okay. read it and i'm like shut up okay. act like a lady think like a man okay. by steve harvey two things what? first thing
0: is i own it oh. second thing is i've read it Do not read that book. Really? Do not read that (gasps) book. Oh my God! Bless you for saying that. It's garbage. It's so bad. It's so dumb. It's sexist. It's garbage. It's trash. Yeah.
1: I like looked up quotes from it because I was like, I know I'm gonna hate it. I haven't even read it. It's so hateable. It's Steve Harvey giving women advice
0: on relationships, and that's the thing. Get the fuck out of here, Steve Harvey. Truly. And that's the thing is like, get a
1: suit that fits you. Yeah. Right. How you gonna talk to us when you dress like that, Steve Harvey? You look ridiculous. You're in a zoot suit. Yeah. 2019. You're an idiot. And he he looks like an egg. Like it's just like it's too much. yeah, he that that was my thing with it. Is like I, it's another thing of the you wanna, it's not a it's not necessarily a man writing from a woman's perspective, but it's like literally a man telling women how to live and how to date. And there's like right. quotes like men can cheat because there are so many women willing to give themselves to a man who doesn't belong to them. No. It's like, listen, dude, like rude, first of all, rude. Right. Like the things he says are just like very it's so sexy. And yeah, I feel like I'm the I'm trying to think of people who recommended them, it recommended it to me without burning them. But it's just like, why, why would you think that I would like that? Like, I personally am in like way more about going to therapy and learning about yourself and like your dating habits and changing your personality, not changing, but just like working on things that you can work on, right? Right. Rather than having a man in a zoot suit tell yeah. me how to live my life.
0: Well, it's just, it's also just so antiquated, and it's like, it's such a it's like the same thing as when colleges or whatever, you know, or people tell women don't wear a short dress if you don't want to get raped. It's like, well, maybe you should tell your son to keep his hands to his fucking self. Right. Like I can wear whatever I want to wear. If you think that that's an invitation to rape me, you actually have a a whole other issue. Right, absolutely. You know, and it's like the same thing with Steve Harvey. It's like women allow men to cheat or or men can cheat because women allow them. It's like, well, maybe you should be with someone that you want to be with and not cheat on her. Like, why is that my responsibility?
1: It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely the responsibility does not necessarily always fall on the woman. It's ridiculous. Well, right.
0: Like, if you know you're cheating because you can, maybe you should take a look at your partner and say... Maybe I should do the adult thing, which is break it off with you, because I actually don't like you that much, and you're not providing the things that I
1: need. I kids, I I've been like I follow Cardi B. I don't know why, but like so intensely on Instagram because I just think. (laughs) But she's deleted her Instagram. She brought it back. Oh, she did. She back. She humping furniture and everything. I don't know what's going on with her, (laughs) but it's just so fascinating to me because it's like. Offset cheated on her, right? right? Like, I've heard things like from people that have like seen him on set and like he has condoms in his right or I should not say this, but it's like he just seems like a dirtbag, right? right? He's a dirtbag. But of course, on you know, comments left and right, Cardi obviously does, it doesn't give him what he needs. She doesn't do this for him. She doesn't do right. that for him. And it's like that's that like antiquated point of view, blaming a woman for a man being a child and right. not like being able to get his self right. together. It's like I'm just so sick of that. And also, it's like, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a... Just even the title of it's it. It's all horrible. You're yeah. allowed to hate that book. I don't
0: I don't fuck with that book I, either. Uh, don't read the book. It's garbage. Yeah. All right. What about... What's a
1: like really great book that you've read? Um, I really liked The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that A.J. Finn
0: has another name, a real life name. It's like Dan Dan Mallory or something. And he is like a scammer. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. No. I, I, we'll okay. link to it in the show notes. There's like an article about him like lying about having cancer and like his mom dying and – all sorts of shit. And he's like, I didn't read the article, but I saw it floating around on the internet. So I'm going to link to it. I'll also send it to you. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't think that that necessarily means that the book isn't good or enjoyable. Right. Because I loved A Million Little Pieces. I loved it too. And like, okay, so it's not true. Maybe just say that you wrote a piece of fiction. I
1: know. I guess I would like hashtag based on a true story. Yeah. Like, or like, Fun idea that maybe could have happened. You yeah. <laughs> know, like, I don't get why I don't get why he didn't say it was fiction. Is it because it's like so much juicier if it's real life? I think so. I mean, it's like that dentist scene. Yes. I do remember that. That's what I, I feel like. That's the only scene that mm-hmm. I
0: remember too. Yes, it was so intense. But I think that the, I think part of the reason we remember it is because that was one of the scenes that was specifically called out yes. about not being true. Absolutely not true. Yeah. So I think that's part of like why it sticks in my memory. Yeah. But I I mean I guess it, it's more compelling if the If it's true yeah definitely but it it was still really good and if you had told me that it was like you know i wrote a book inspired by some real life events yeah i would still probably have loved it
1: because he did have problems right he did have some sort of problem he went went to to rehab rehab. so it's like that's good like he could just tell us he went to rehab and it inspired inspired the story right like every movie and also (laughs) right and like aj finn like if he is a pathological liar Shouldn't that benefit his writing? Maybe he should just write that stuff instead of just saying it to everybody. That's why. Well, I think he was using it to like get publicity. Oh. Like saying,
0: like, oh, I have cancer. So people would be like, wow, this man with cancer wrote this great That's book. Awful. Like some fucked up shit. However, what I just said is from not reading the article. So yeah. just <laughs> read the article. Yeah. I don't, we're I just, just we're not,
1: we're playing AJ Finn right now by just right. saying things.
0: <laughs> Literally, I'm like the person on Twitter who's like, this is bullshit. And then they're like, read, read the, article the article because it's actually the opposite of what you think. Right. So I'm doing
1: that right now and sorry, but I'm glad that you liked the book. I really liked it. I thought it was really good and also it was but it's also like kind of funny because it's the same plot I think to like Rear Window, like the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh. So that was really interesting too because it's like this is the same thing. I mean, but I I just thought it was really good. Like I just I don't know, I loved it. So What about what, what are you reading right now? I'm looking forward to reading How to Date Men When You Hate Men oh. by Blythe Roverson. Okay. I think is how you say your last name. Um, so you're into those like dating how-tos kind of? No, you're not. I'm normally not into dating how-tos. I'm normally not into... Just general like this is how you should live your life or like think about things because I'm just like I'll think about things how I want to. And like I said, therapy is better to me than like getting told how to live. But I just – that title, it just got me so much because I was just like – because I think about that all the time. (laughs) I am single. I am not a great dater. I've had horrible experiences with men that have made me, uh, over it, you know? Right. And so I literally think like, how am I going to keep doing this when like, I hate these people? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I love men. Actually. I just, I, I can't seem to like find the right one. That's not going to be a jerk. And so it's just like, I, I, so I think this book seems like it'll be really funny Uh and it's like, it's just like a kind of funny, silly book. And she, also talks about – um, or she also interviews men to, like, oh. ask them, like, was this a date? Was this not a date? Like, are we flirting? Are we not flirting? Ooh. And, like, it just seems like a fun, like, way to, like, delve into that world of, like – because you don't want to be cynical. Like, I always say that. Like, I always want to say, like, I don't want to be that person that's just, like, I hate men. Right. I'm always going to be single because that's a sad way to think. Like, I love men. I think they're great. They're nice. They're good. But it's, like – so I'm trying to – keep it light, keep it fun while reading a book that's titled just like spoke to me so much. It's
0: also a hard time to be into men right now in
1: the culture. Yeah. Like it's like men are, they're making things hard. They're making things really hard. And I I think there's... there's And they're behaving badly. There's so many layers. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many layers of it because I think that like, I think obviously like, and then also they're making light of the things Mm -hmm. that kind of come out Mm -hmm. and you're like, Why won't you just have a little like empathy or like take Mm -hmm. this more seriously Mm -hmm. and understand? Well, it's
0: like an entitlement too. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have to be responsible for other men's bad behavior. Like that's not me. And I am entitled to individuality. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've talked a lot about. I don't know on this show, but in life, especially when it comes to race, there's this conversation about individuality that is granted to the, the norm of culture. So in our culture, it's heterosexual, cisgender, white men. Yes. And that it's like, if you refer to someone like, Oh, he's a white guy. It's like, Oh, why do I have to be white? Right. But if you were to say that about like an Asian dude or a black dude, it would, that's like how they're described because everyone else is othered and they're yes. part of a group. But for white men, it's like, Oh, I'm an individual and I think that that's part of the problem of a lot of these conversations about gender and the shitty things that white dudes are doing right now and dudes in general are – it's hard to talk about because they get so defensive because they don't – they think of themselves as being an individual and exceptional and entitled to their own shit Mm -hmm. where it's like for women, it's like, oh – It's all women. It's all black women. It's all Korean women. It's, you know, so it's like there's this divide in how we see ourselves and our roles in our communities, I think.
1: Yeah. I don't know. And I think that there's like this like thing about labeling, like Mm -hmm. if you say like I w- I always say I wish I mean I don't know this might sound stupid and maybe I'll get in trouble for this but it's like I always wish that we could find another word for racist because when you say the word racist people lose their damn mind yeah. and it's like listen like there's no other way to say it right. but it's like you have to just accept it that some people right. are this way right. you know right. or like any kind of labeling that's right. like you know privilege you have privilege Oh, I didn't have privilege right. I you know I got grounded when I was yeah. 14 <laughs> uh, and it's like honey yeah. but your life and your whole experience Every yep. single thing about your life has been different because you are a white man. Right. Or, you know, it's just it, – it's uh, it's it's so frustrating because There's I feel a, like yeah. it's like also we live in a time where like so many things are happening to so many different types of people, trans people, gay people, women, you know, minorities, uh, immigrants. And it's like – and and every every person can kind of step back and be like, well, that's not me. That's not my problem. So mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it because I'm nice to those people. And it's right. like I think we should all – be tuned into all of the problems Mm -hmm. and we should not be ignoring them until it gets to our front door. Totally. Well, so there's an article, Mm. there's an
0: author named Robin D'Angelo and she wrote a book called white fragility. Mm. And she just wrote an Mm. article, I think maybe in the Atlantic, I'll link to it, but it's about racism and niceness. Mm. And this idea that if you're nice to people of color as a white person, that you couldn't possibly be racist so that there's this this thing that white people do where, like, they make an extra effort to, like, smile at a black person walking down the street. Right. And, like, for a black person, I'm like, why is that woman smiling? Like, that woman's yeah. tripping. Like, yeah. I'm like, what's going She's on? Way too but hard. they're trying to show, like, I'm a safe person. I'm not racist because, yeah. like, being a racist is akin to murder, essentially. Like, right. it's like, Oh, you know, I'm calling you racist because you said a racist thing. I actually don't necessarily think that that's a value judgment on you. Right. There are people who are racist that I do think it's a value judgment. But Mm -hmm. then there's also people who just say
1: racist shit because I don't don't know. They don't know. And it's like you have to be able to just take ownership of that and not be so uh, like affronted or insulted that somebody said something to you because people are just trying to educate you. No one's – and I. at least in my experience from how I am, I'm not saying everybody's like that. Some people can be a little harsh, for, right. and, and I don't think that's right. But I think that, like, if I tell you, like, oh, you shouldn't say that, you yeah. know, then it's like, just listen. Don't act like I'm, right. you know – Attacking your character because right. I'm not. Right. You just said a dumb thing and I'm trying to
0: help. Yeah. Because also, I could just let you be a fucking racist and have you say that to the wrong person and see what
1: happens. Right. Because you, know, you want to try say that. Say that in a job interview, see what hey, happens. Go for it. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So I do. It is a tough time to like date because of that. Yeah. Because of, um, I just think. I also think, I I have so many, I love the internet, I love my phone, but mm-hmm. I just think there's so many things that have happened. Like I've gone from the time where people just met each other <laughs> and dated mm-hmm. to like online being like, oh, some people do online, but I don't want to do online mm-hmm. to like being like almost all the ways to meet men are online. yeah Especially because I don't drink. I don't, I'm not going out to clubs, right. which I'm glad for because I'm tired. I don't want to meet men when I'm like wasted and right. like, whatever you'll do. Right. Um, but it's like, because of that, there's so many options like right people can, people can have separate lives. they can have four lives They have four girlfriends. I was actually just just on the internet with my friend where we found that this guy had like a secret family and he was trying to hit on my friend and like date her and I was like, bro I was like, girl, he has like a child and right. you just celebrate his four year anniversary sau, <laughs> but it's just like people don't they don't connect in the same way. And so it's way, it's It's very hard. Dating is very hard. And so it's just good to, I do like, I love any kind of relationship focus. I like, I like talking about relationships. I like Mm. thinking about them, analyzing them. And so I think that this like book will be like exciting to read. Okay. You have to tell us how it is. You have to report back.
0: I will. I was just going to ask you how you pick your next book.
1: Oh, it's, like, a lot of times, like, with, like, the how to date men when you hate men, (laughs) I literally just, like, I see it a lot on Twitter or, like, Mm. somebody will be talking about a book they read because I really – I feel like it's the same way with, like, movies and just general things. Like, I don't necessarily know what's going on because I don't have, like, a TV Mm. or, like – I mean, I don't have, like, cable, so I don't, like, see commercials Mm -hmm, or mm – hear you know advertisements or anything like that and so i like to typically like listen to what people are recommending and like what they're like oh my god this book is so good and so then i'm like oh i'll download it on my kindle on my little kindle um and so that's how i do it and then i realized also um as i was like going through and thinking about books that i love like oprah's book club is <laughs> legit she's legit i like every book i've read I, like it's on that list she's really
0: good yeah she's got good stuff. some of her stuff i'm like this is boring but mostly yeah. it's good yeah yeah what's a book that you like to recommend to people
1: Oh, um, I like to recommend uh the book, which I haven't even read the whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> which is silly, but it's like uh, you know I will eventually. Um, uh, the book "You Are a Badass" by oh, Jensen. I've read that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're not not so into it. Not Dang. so into it. I'm a firm believer that books should be read at certain points in your life, mm-hmm. and if you read the wrong book at the wrong time, it won't connect with you. Yeah, and I read that book kind of when this show was like kind of. Already starting to like, I was starting to figure out what it was. And I think if yeah. I had read it three months before when I was getting ready to launch it, yeah. I would have really appreciated it. But I didn't really need the cheerleading because I was so excited about what I was doing. Yeah. So I wasn't feeling like you need to get up and get out and like, you've got this. Girl, like, All right. I was yeah. like, I was already feeling that. Yeah. You're so like I, like, I know I got this. I think that like, if I'm in a funk in the future or something, yeah. I would revisit it and probably like it.
1: Well, I think that's why I recommend it. Yeah. You know, because I'm not a book recommender typically, but okay. it's like I think when people are feeling like they're going through like a low point or having or struggling. Right. That's what I would recommend to people. But yeah, yeah I mean I totally get that because sometimes you're just like, listen I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I help. feel good today like I, yeah, don't like, I
0: feel good or like vice versa like when you're feeling really crappy and you want to read something that's like sad yeah, and mm-hmm. you read like a joyful book you're like this book is garbage. Like, yeah, I just want to be crying in a
1: corner. Yeah, you got to be in the right place. Yeah, I yeah. started reading you are a badass when I was not feeling like a badass and mm-hmm. I was just like I think I need like I need like some someone to guide me cause I'm lost. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, acting is a freaking disaster job. It's a hard thing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you organize your books? Um, I, well, first of all, I feel I've gotten rid of a lot of my books because as I've moved, I kind mm. of realized that recent, I realized that today when I was looking through my books, I was like, Oh, I guess I like don't have a lot of the books I used to have. So there's just, there's no organization to my system. So it's just, just on shelves uh-huh. looking cool, making me feel <laughs> smart. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about some books that have had impact on you. So what's the
1: last book that made you laugh? When You Are Engulfed in Flames by David Sedaris. Mm. (laughs) I just was like, it was a long time ago that I read this book, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember any other book like, really making me laugh and I would be like on the bus like straight up just like cackling. laughing out loud cackling. <laughs> I just think he's hilarious. That's so funny. I've never so, yeah. read any of his stuff. Yeah I I feel like I always felt like it wasn't my style for mm-hmm. some reason just like sometimes it's like I it's I'm like a fool like I'll pick like wine based off of like how the label looks. I'm sure. like that's not my style because that bottle is ugly Yeah, and like his books just like didn't appeal to me based off of like literally I was judging a book by the cover right. Right. <laughs> but um, I just loved it. I thought it was hilarious Hilarious. And he came to Steppenwolf actually when I was working there mm. and read from a selection and I was just like this dude is hilarious like I he's just so funny that's awesome what about the last
0: book to make you cry
1: oh man uh, when breath becomes air oh, oh my god yeah What's brutal it? Paul Kalanithi yeah that book was brutal brutal I mean, it's just like I mean it, you know should I describe it or like just say it is he's that, got that's it? he's got cancer he's got cancer he's and a he, doctor he's a
0: doctor and not to spoil it. But he's dead.
1: Yeah, like we're just going to tell you he did. I feel and like that's part dead. of the marketing of the book. No, it's definitely dead. Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the marketing of the book. But what yeah. about the last book to make you angry? Oh, uh, The Great Alone by Kristen
0: Hanna. Did mm, you read that? I didn't read it. What made you angry?
1: It didn't make me – it made me angry. The characters made me angry. Okay. Like, I was like, you dumb bitch. Why are you doing like that? It wasn't that, but it was like – it's a book about um like uh, these – it's like a, a family – moves to Alaska Mm -hmm. and the dad is abusive Mm. and he's like suffering from PTSD from Mm -hmm. being in Vietnam. Mm. And it was just like, because it's like a mom, a dad and a kid. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have like, I don't know, but it's like, I was like, I connect to that kind of, that story. And Mm -hmm. so I was just like, um, frustrated because it's like you see the mom repeatedly making mistakes and like mm. going back and going back and like the situ- situation just getting worse and worse and worse. And it's mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, like it's just frustrating. I, but that was a really good book. I actually really liked that I've one. heard it's really good people. It's, it. it's memoir, really right? Or is it fiction? I think it's fiction. I oh. can't remember actually. I don't
0: know either. I thought it was memoir, but who knows? Yeah, it was I'm really sure good. whoever's listening right now is screaming like in their car, it's, it's a fiction!
1: <laughs> We're sorry. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know.
0: Actually, we don't seem to care that much. No, no, I'm good. What about a favorite book from childhood or from growing up?
1: Oh, I used to love those like uh, R.L. Stein, mm, you know, Goosebumps. goosebumps. I loved Fear Street. Do you ever read Fear Street? No, I hate everything scary. Oh, my God. I don't know what is my deal, but Which I'm Which is just why I also hate you for making me read <laughs> uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, my God. I don't know It's I don't know what my deal is, but I just think like thrillers – murder stuff like I don't know why it's just so my game I thing. like murder I like mm-hmm. true crime I mm-hmm. don't like
0: scary mm-hmm. so like I love a book about Charles Manson murders because I know what's coming mm-hmm. I don't need
1: to be like following along as this weird things oh, happening yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't like that oh yeah that's how Fear Street definitely and, but Fear Street was so funny because it always like turned like you always knew what it was there's always a twist at the end you're like yeah. okay and I would turn the page and it's gonna have the twist on the you right know.
0: oh yeah. okay they so were great like, though. very formulaic yes. it was kids books so that they makes sense good. yeah
1: do you have any book that you love
0: or that you remember reading and being like, wow, I'm reflected in this book. Like, I see
1: myself here. Well, this was interesting because this is like the same answer for like reflected back or like not really rep- – also not necessarily represented. Okay. I, know, oh, I I kind of want to find more books, books in this vein. Um I read uh, this book called Black, White, and Jewish by mm. Rebecca Walker because mm-hmm. I'm Black, White, and Jewish. So am I. Are you really? Yeah, I am. That's so cool. I've never read it though, but I've heard of the book. Yeah. Oh my god, that's really cool to me because it's like you really don't meet people that are There's black, not white, not there and many. I have another us. friend actually that is, so we can hang out. My while. brother like, is. I know my sisters <laughs> are. So, um, so I read this book. I read that book, and I was it was at a time because like when I first moved to Chicago. Chicago is a really weird town. Like, okay. It was, it's a very segregated city. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. a great city, loved it, but it's very segregated and you become othered there where right. I didn't feel that when I grew up in Kansas and I didn't feel that in the suburbs in Kansas. But when I moved to Chicago, I was all of a sudden like black mm. and I was like, oh, okay, I'm black. I'm not just Nicole. I'm black. Okay. Right. Okay, okay. So I read this book and I wanted to see kind of like what the experience was from her perspective. And I I don't know. I think the reason why I feel like it, it, I saw myself represented in it, but I didn't was because it was like she came from like a lot of money. Her mom's Alice Walker. And mm. like, I don't know. I felt like she kind of has more like rich people problems. And after a while, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't feel sorry for you. Got rich it. Problems. And so after a <laughs> while, I was just like, eh. Um, and then at the end, it felt like she kind of like chose a side. Okay. And she like Ch- like I'm a you know black woman. This is also just like mostly from memory, so I don't want to like okay. say this is exactly the book. But I just remember feeling like oh like I don't like that. I want to kind of like still be able to embrace all like of you being more mixed. Yeah, I think yeah. that I think I don't know. I personally think it's really cool to be yeah biracial and Jewish and all the weirdness that goes along with right. it. I think it's cool. I'm into it. And so it's like I don't want to dismiss that. And I felt like it was kind of dismissive of that and also just like coming from a place of privilege that was like I couldn't really relate to. That's interesting that your represented
0: and your not represented book are the same. Yeah. That's super interesting. Do you have – as an actor, actress Mm – I don't know. I say actor for everybody. Me too. Okay. Great. As an actor, do you have a favorite adaptation of a book to film or TV or something
1: where you saw it and you were like, this is actually better than the book? I think like – the, to be honest, like the Hunger Games, like was a really good adaptation. I love Hunger Games. It was really. I have a <laughs> Mockingjay pin. Okay, we loving the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just like. Um- I read the books. I also like when I was starting to read them, I was like, I cannot believe I'm reading my Hunger Games. Like, I am a grown ass adult. What am I doing? And then I was like, these books are so good. I read all of them. I oh, yeah. read right, the first two in like three days, and then I, yeah. when the third one came out, I read it in like 50 seconds. Yeah, you can just like knock them out. They're, They're delicious. so easy. They're, They're delicious. So you just eat them up, and then you're like, I was like, I was living in New York at the time for like a short stint, and I was just like on the train, just like, pl- like plowing through yep. it. So, good. and I thought the adaptation was good because I was like, this is one of those books where it could be real bad, like because mm-hmm. it's. So it just like I feel like it. You imagine so much, yeah, of it. But I don't know. I felt like it looked. They did a great good job. I yeah. the
0: the two guys, Peta and the other boyfriend, whatever yeah. his name is, were garbage. Agreed. So, both so bad. I was like, I need to be attracted to the hot one, and I need to not like have I don't know I need to like hate PETA because that's my feeling when I read it yeah and I like kind of felt bad for PETA in the movie and I also thought that the hot one like wasn't hot enough or like I don't know. He was like a little like too wishy-washy. I needed like more like, well, I think mm, honestly, I don't know
1: what it is about those like teen books, but they make boys seem so hot. Like yeah. I just was like, I know. dang I, to these uh, boys. What's his name? Not, what's the other one? Peter? Uh, Gail. Gail? Wait, Gale. wasn't Gail the one that was like, Peter was the one that was like her With partner. Her, yeah, her partner. But Gail was her hot bae at home. Was, Gale, why was his name Gail? I don't know. That's so odd. <laughs> like, truly, I should
0: have known he wasn't going to live <laughs> up to my expectations. <laughs> But Gail was like supposed to be Bay, who was like at home watching over like the sister, whatever, Primrose or whatever. And then, like, he was, I mean, he's handsome. It's like one of those Hemworth people. Yes. But he wasn't like. Delivering I kind of
1: liked him But I tell you The other guy Peta, was like Are you freaking kidding Peeta I'm sorry Like a limp noodle Josh Hutcherson I think played him And he is probably A lovely young man But that was just Not the role for him I was just like Yeah because that was That was definitely A disappointment Yeah because it's like I feel like that was The thing that
0: was hard For me in the book And also in the movie It's like She's supposed to be Torn between these two people But Peta is just like The most boo He's like a dump (laughs) Yeah Like like... like, he's the son Of a baker Like (laughs) Like Give me bringing something. you bread. I know. And I love a carb. Yeah, Like if he came with a bouquet of baguettes, <laughs> I, I would be all in.
1: Yeah. Anyways. I thought that was a good adapt- adaptation though. You're totally right. It was really yeah. good.
0: Okay. Here's my last question for you. It's one that I steal from the New York Times. If you could require the president of the United States to, re- to read one book, what would it be?
1: Um, I actually like looked books up for this because okay. I, I was just like – First of all, I wanted it to be a children's book okay? because this bitch needs it to be easy. It needs to have a lot of pictures. <laughs> um, so um, I like was like, I want to find a book that would teach empathy because I don't think he has any empathy what, whatsoever. Not- and so I found this book called Hey, Little Ant, And it was oh. really cute. It was by it's by Philip and Hannah Hoose. And um, it's like. What would you do if the ant you were about to step on looked up and started talking to you? I Do you know what's crazy? And I can't remember who, but I think someone else on this show recommended
0: that book really? for this question. Yeah.
1: Really? I think for the president.
0: Oh, that's so funny. I, for either for the president or one of their favorite books from childhood, but I've heard it. It's like from the perspective of the ant being like don't kill
1: me. Yeah. It literally is like the person's like, oh, dang, an aunt. I'm going to squish it. And then the next page is like this aunt with like two suitcases. And he's like, hey, that's not nice. Did you think <laughs> about what you're doing? Think about my life. And I was like, well, it's, it just seems like it's really cool because it's like, you I, obviously, he Trump doesn't think about small people, like the right. small, the, the real people right. or like, you know, the people he's hurting he just goes for him and wants right. to squish him right. and it's like what if you actually listened to them for a little bit right like, what about like found out about their lives or what
0: if you just like went around the ant
1: yeah like just, you like, don't actually it.
0: have to like separate children
1: from their parents at the border like yeah. you don't
0: have to do that no.
1: like you could just like go around the ant it's just extra but that's yeah. yeah that's why i feel like yeah he's always inflicting like the extra pain or the extra stuff because he he has like a it's like a hatred for the little guy. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so odd for the other. But that's that's what I always think about everybody. When I'm mm-hmm. when people are like, I hate gay people, I shouldn't have done this other accent because that's not very nice. But when people are like, I don't like gay people, I'm like, why? Like right. what do you care? Right. That's so odd to me. Like right. I don't care that you like, you have a husband, I'm not mad about it. Right. And like, so what do I care if this guy has right. a husband?
0: I was literally thinking about this in the shower yesterday, which yeah. is a weird place to think about things, but that's why I do a lot of thinking. Yeah. I was thinking about transgender like all the transgender bans and bathroom bills and like just all the like nasty yucky mean stuff that's going around on around transgender people Mm -hmm. and I was thinking like isn't the like the basically the question I have for people who quote unquote don't believe in transgender people or their rights is like is that a person yeah like do you recognize that as a human right if so like it's like one of those maps yes Mm -hmm. or no and if you click yes then do you believe that humans should all have equal rights? Yes right. or no? Because that's really what it's coming down to. Right. It's like, I'm not asking you, do you want to be transgender? I'm not asking you what your opinion is on the existence of transgender people. I'm just asking you to recognize that that's a human, right. yes or no. And, and then do you feel that you as a human should have the same rights as other humans? Right. You know, and like, I think that it when you start to simplify it like that, it really makes people who are anti gay or trans or black or Jewish or whatever it is, like, it makes them really hard, – it's, hard, it's a hard pill to swallow when you yeah. really distill it down to you don't believe that these other people are human. Right. Or Absolutely. Th- the idea of America that everyone, like, believes in is, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and equal protection under the law and uh-huh. all this stuff. And so you're saying that these people should have special laws for them. So you're saying that they're not human. They don't right. – d- you know, it's like – when I started to think about it that way, I was like, oh, that's actually really terrible like in a deeper way than just I'm Christian and I don't believe in you. Right. It's like I don't need you to believe in me. I I'm here. absolutely don't need to. I'm fully here and alive. Yeah. Like as a trans person or, or whatever the thing is, as mm-hmm. an immigrant, as a Muslim, pick your – as a person who would like to have an abortion. Yeah. As a woman who would like what to take care? birth control. Like all of these things that people are just saying – I fundamentally have the right to exist and you think that I don't.
1: Yeah, it, that's absolutely what It's It's that basic. It's just like it makes no sense. And it's it's it seems like it would be impossible to justify. Like, so you're saying right. they're not people. And right. that's that's what you're really saying. That's your answer. That's your answer. And it's like that's a crazy answer. Right. Because it's like also, I always think too, you are gonna you're gonna be like that till it comes to your front door. And then right. when it comes to your front door, it's going too late. It's right. the same that what's that poem that's like I when they came oh, for yeah. the Jews, that I didn't say anything. Yeah, da, da. yeah. It's really wild to me. Like, I I also just, like, think, like, people wouldn't... No one chooses to be what is considered the other. Like, no one would choose that. If you had a choice, yeah. Like, if I had a choice... I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I want to be a white man, to be no, honest. I mean. I no. would just want to be me. But it's like right. if, I, if you have a choice to, like, live a very easy life, straight right. shoot, straight shot right. to just money and happiness right. and whatever, basic. Yeah, people are going to always choose that. Right. And safety. And safety. I mean, like, just walking down the street down as street. a trans person mm-hmm. can be dangerous. And it's like how can you – how are you going to gun – like, go for these people? Right. It, it makes no sense to me. So, yeah, yeah I just, like – I feel like we need – we're losing empathy we need more empathy mm-hmm. the president and others
0: okay well that was my last question for you okay. we've really ended on
1: a equality
0: for all is I always want to end everything um, do you have any Well, before we do this next week we're going to be talking about I'm thinking of ending things by Ian Reid it's a thriller there will be spoilers next week I'm very excited to talk about it because I have no idea what I read so oh <laughs> please tune in and um, Nicole do you have anything
1: else you want to say No, just thank you for having me. This was a lovely conversation. Yay, thank you for coming on. And we will see you guys in the stacks.
0: Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Nicole Thurman for joining us. Next week, we're going to be talking about I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at thestackspod on Instagram and at thestackspod underscore on Twitter. You can check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show like perks and our virtual book club and more, go to patreon.com slash thestacks. For one-time contributions, go to paypal.me slash thestackspod. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagirajus. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas, and I will see you in the stacks.